Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, ass crack of dawn to you race fans, and welcome back to Roland Race News, take three. The first one, I brought my nice microphone out from inside, and my Wi-Fi wouldn't work. The second take, I had a really nice little thing going, and then I stopped it and went to edit it, and somehow lost all my vocals, so to spare you guys a really lengthy introduction, let's just get right into it. Opening weekend out at Eagle Raceway, it was great, awesome to be back with the broadcast bunch, Dan Taylor, Tom Grasso, Kurt Merle, and myself, all back in action, felt really good to be home, it was really cold out, so... If you made it out to Eagle, thank you so, so much for doing that. The crowd was excellent, way over any of our expectations for a night as cold and windy as it was. So if you made it out there, thank you so much. And if you didn't make it out there, boy, you do not know what you were missing because the racing action was great. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Let's cover some quick news and notes, and we'll get right into it. I've got a couple great interviews for you guys this week. So, let's kick it off. The best news of the week. No, beer wasn't on sale. The good news, if you're familiar with the Front Stretch podcast, I always want to say Front Stretch radio show because it was for so long, hosted by Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. If you're not familiar with them, hop on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and check them out, the Front Stretch. Now, co-hosts. Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. If you know those guys, you've known for a while that Dirk has been battling some kidney issues for years now. Well, after a long wait on the transplant list, I am proud to say that Sunday night, early into Monday morning, Dirk Houston got his kidney. So far, the updates that I've seen on Facebook look like everything's going well. I need to get him on the phone and chat with him for a little while just to see how he's doing, make sure his spirits are right. But please keep Dirk in mind on this excellent day and in his long road to recovery just getting back up to normal with some new and functioning kidneys I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see him get that going now I talked a little bit about Eagle Raceway if you want to know a little bit you know what screw that let's just get into some results we'll get to the Eagle talk here in a little bit kicking it off Thursday night US 30 Speedway, the home of Thursday Night Thunder. This week was late model week, so your IMCA late model top three were Robert Osborne, Kyle Prawner, and Zach Zeitner. I believe it was Zeitner, the person that sent it to me, Carissa Fiala. Thanks for taking your time out of your day to send me over the area tracks top three. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. This week has just been hectic as ever, so thank you. Thank you, thank you. So it may be pronounced Zeitner. It's spelled Zentner. I'm thinking the N might have just been mistaken for an I. Whatever. No big deal. Moving on. IMCA Hobby Stocks. Jeff Ware picked up the win. Jason Wilkinson and Kevin Betson round out your top three. Sport Mods. Tyler Nayrud saw the checkered flag before. God damn it. I haven't even hardly started drinking yet. James Roebuck picked up the win. Tyler Nayrud in second, and Robbie Tome round out your top three. Stock cars, no surprise here. 
Mike Nichols, Cameron Wilkinson, and Cade Richards, who we'll talk more about later, were your top three. Moving on to Friday night, talking to Dan Taylor, it sounds like it was just an excellent night of racing. Going through your top three over at that joint on Friday night, in the Modifieds, Jacob Hobscheit picked up the win with Cody Thompson in second, and Jackson Sadoff rounding out your top three. Sport Mod saw Batman, Matt Andrews, picking up the win. Devin Peterson in second. Jackson Sadoff stepping over into a Sport Mod as well, picking up double top three finishes this weekend over at I-80 Speedway. Moving on to stock cars, Jesse Sobbing saw the victory. Scott Carlson and Brad Deary round out your top three. Late models, Jesse Sobbing picked up the win again. Corey Dumpert in second and Jake Bridge in third. Congratulations to those guys. Hobby Stocks, I-80 Speedway, Friday night. Dylan Richards picked up the win. Mike Steyer and Tanner Dixon round out your top three. In the Sport Compacts, Chris Vanosdale picked up the win with Brian Vanosdale in second and Drake Bullmeyer in third. Saturday night. Boy, I tell you what. Again, it's pretty chilly, but really it was a gorgeous day. I hope you got out to the racetrack this weekend. If not, boy, I don't know what you were missing. Saturday night, McCool Junction, late models. Corey Dumpert picks up the win. Jason Humphrey in second and Tom Swoboda in third. Modifieds, Dylan Silman seeing that checkered flag. I believe the first one for him in 2021. Justin Gregg in second. Austin Swoboda in third. Stock cars, Bo Eggie picked up the win. Tyler Iverson in second. Casey Woken in third. Sport Mods, local guy, friend of the front stretch, Tommy Etherton picked up the win. Lee Horky in second and Tyler Fry in third. Hobby Stocks, Dylan Richards out of Beatrice had another great night picking up the win at I-80 Speedway on Friday night and McCool Junction on Saturday. Saturday's results at McCool saw Taylor Huss in the second spot and Nick Ronnebaum in third. It says Nicholas, and whenever I say Nicholas... I stumble too much on the last name when I know how it's pronounced. Sport Compacts, Tide Ride picked up the victory. Devin Bruce, Drake Bullmeyer in second, and Kaylee Diekman in third. Now, moving on to Eagle Raceway. I'll go into a little bit of detail with you. Um, I actually kind of changed up my duties. I think it might have just been for a night just to see how it worked out. We really wanted to make sure that drivers, sponsors, got a lot of the spotlight so saturday night i hung out in the infield and snapped pictures of each and every heat race winner to upload to the eagle raceway facebook page so if you advertise on any of those cars that picked up a heat race win let us know if you like that i just felt that putting a picture up gave so much more exposure not only to the driver but to your sponsors to your fans Maybe you've got somebody that you know that hasn't made it out to the races before. They don't even know what your car looks like, but you've got a sick-ass wrap for 2021, and you want them to see it. Well, we tried it out. It was a ton of fun. It was kind of, excuse me, it's kind of chilly in the infield, but the racing action was super hot on the racetrack. So rolling into that, we'll go over your top three, and I'll give you a little bit more information on each one of these races. Hobby Stocks, we saw a first-time A feature winner, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Tyler Jackson out of Lincoln, Nebraska, picked up his first-ever IMCA Hobby Stock feature win this Saturday night. I tell you what, he's a great guy. He gives a kind of shitty interview. And you know what? Don't get mad at this. He'll laugh at it. 
Coming home second in the hobby stocks was Mike Hansen out of Weeping Water. And you know what? Here's another, I guess in these hobby stocks, really there's a good story for all of your top three. Standing down in the infield, there was a caution in the next feature, so I got a chance to talk to the runner-ups out of the hobby stock feature. Mike Hansen, if you've never met the guy before, he's super funny and he's quite the character. He talked a little bit about the race and then... He thanked a handful of sponsors, and then he thanked all the fans at Eagle Raceway. One badass motherfucking racetrack. My first F-bomb of 2021. Don't do it. Don't drop the F-bomb. I don't mind it. I actually kind of like it. I think it shows a lot of raw emotion out of drivers, but remember, guys, it's a family show. So, Tyler Jackson, first-time feature winner. Mike Hansen. First time shouting the F-bomb for 2021 over the loudspeaker. And Jeff Ware rounding out your top three. Now, Jeff Ware, I did see a little bit of a story on him. I believe he was actually battling some sort of mechanical failure. I can't remember what exactly that was. But he battled his way up with an ill-handling race car and managed a third-place finish. So great run for all those guys in the hobby stocks. That was definitely an excellent feature from second on back. Jackson kind of had him checked out. Modifieds, no stranger to victory lane. Jordan Grabowski picking up the win over at the high banks of Eagle Raceway with Ryan Jenkins in second and Chad Anderson in third. Sport Mods, another guy no stranger to victory lane. Fast anywhere he takes the 76 machine. Lance Borgman picking up the win with... Tyler Nehrud in second, and Matt Andrews rounding out your top three. Stock cars. This guy's won a lot in a lot of cars at a lot of places. But he picked up another big feature win, and I saw a lot of hype over in the IMCA newsletter about it. Cade Richards picking up the inaugural weekly stock car win over at Eagle Raceway. Kyle Vanover, another excellent stock car shoe. And Jordan Grabowski, like we talked about earlier, that guy can win in anything, rounding out the top three. So you can definitely see that Cade Richards had his handful taking care of that field. I mean, we had 27 stock cars for the first night at Eagle Raceway, and the racing was nothing short of incredible. Thank you to all those guys who made the trip over here. I know you've got some home tracks that you might have walked away from, but I really hope you're enjoying it out at America's Home Track because even if nobody else did, I enjoyed the hell out of that show, and I know a lot of other people did too. And now we'll move on to the sprint car results. Now, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about this simply because I want you guys to check out another show. Yeah, I know, typically podcasts don't go bragging up other people's programming, but I've already talked about the front stretch and how great those guys are. Well, the gang over at QuickTime, the podcast, has asked me to come back this year. Uh, last year, I jumped on there with them once a week to go over the Eagle Raceway results. Well, the Roland Race News Eagle Raceway Rundown is going to be back tomorrow night. Uh, quick time normally posts about seven or eight so you can check out the full rundown for your duros networks imca race saver sprint cars over on quick time the podcast tomorrow night your top three in the race saver sprint cars and i tell you what if you weren't out there you don't know what you're missing because it was a barn burner flat out joey danley picked up the win tyler drukey in second and adam gullion round out the third spot now if you know anything about race savers, you know that those guys are tough, stout competition. 
anywhere and everywhere. I can only imagine what the top four or five would have looked like if Stu Snyder would have been over here and not over at Knoxville. Speaking of Stu Snyder, congratulations to him, local boy, picking up the first race saver sprint car win of the year over at the Crawford County Speedway in Denison, Iowa on Friday night. Good run for Stu. Looks like that's going to cover it for our weekly racing results around the Cornhusker State. So please stay tuned. After these messages, we'll be right back with a couple interviews from Dan Taylor and Stu Snyder. This is Miss Eagle Raceway, Tessa Johnson, and you're listening to Rollin' Race News. Well, good evening, morning, afternoon, or whatever my opening line is to you, race fans, and welcome back to Roland Race News. We are hanging out in the VIP booth high atop Eagle Raceway after the first night of IMCA Weekly Racing. I'm joined tonight by Dan Taylor, the guy in the booth. Dan, that was a heck of a show tonight. Just looking out across the place, smooth, racy the entire way around the track, three and four lanes to race on. What a night. Yeah, amen to that, and I'm, I'm going to be... Uh sitting up for the next probably three or four hours just processing everything that happened. I mean, it, great night of racing action, good clean racing, nobody got their feelings hurt. Uh, we didn't have too much torn up equipment, had a couple of mishaps, but for the most part, I think this was a great night number one of racing at Eagle Raceway. Absolutely. We'll run them through the winners here real quick just to make sure that we're actually staying on top of our name and providing some sort of news. Tonight, your Duros Dentworks IMCA Race Saver Sprint Car winner was Joey Danley with a fantastic last lap pass at Tyler Drukey. That was a heck of a show. Uh, let's see, Nebraska Lottery IMCA Modifieds saw Jordan Grabowski picking up the win. No surprise there. He is always one tough customer. In the A1 Ironworks IMCA stock cars, we saw Cade Richards, the young man out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and the 1R picking up the win. That's something that we're going to have to be very careful about because I got yelled at twice tonight for calling it the A1 Ironworks. It's A1 Iron. It is A1 Iron. <laughs> okay, then... Uh, on this show, it doesn't matter because they're not paying you anything, but... When we're doing it on Saturday, i got to figure out a way to get that out of my lexicon. Okay, A1R. Well, the first thing would be to have that one lady that writes us up things uh, take works off of there. Was it on there? It, I, I believe it was. Cheers. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yes. I got Jack in there. Jim joining us. <laughs> Popcorn <laughs> Jim up in the booth. Drink. I guess otherwise known as Tech Man Jim. So let's mm. see. We covered the Score stock man. cars, Fire the sprint Jim. cars, and the modified. So your... Modern Real Estate Sport Modified winner was Lance Borgman out of Beatrice. He is always fast anywhere that he goes. And we had a first-time winner tonight, Tyler Jackson picking up the win in the 13T. I tell you what, he's got a fast race car, but he's a man of few words, ain't he? That was a tough interview. Because <laughs> he was, I don't know if he was nervous or just a man of few words. But, yeah, he was, he was pretty calm and quiet about it. But uh, congratulations to him. He, he definitely showed sparks of having the ability to get the wins last year, but this is just that hobby stock class, when Jeff Ware shows up, it's who's running for second. And, I mean, it, it, Jeff Ware is just so dang good. We nicknamed him Kid Perfect because he's perfect through the corners, he's perfect through the straightaways, he's, most of the year he's perfect on the year, winning six in a row, seven in a row, whatever it be, but tonight it was just Tyler Jackson's night. Keeping an eye on Jeff Ware, he just was not able to get around uh, the third place card. I can't remember exactly who it was, but uh, Jeff just typically sets a car up going into turn one, 
and he's got the pass going out of turn two, and then he starts tracking down the next car. But it just seemed like his, his momentum stalled when he got to fourth, not having to get by third. Tyler Jackson did a fantastic job holding on to that win. Yeah, held him off. Um, Wasserman gave him the old chrome horn once or twice, and Tyler just knew that it was time to check out. So awesome night of racing here at Eagle Raceway. I can't wait to be back out here each and every week hanging out with you and Tom and getting everything done and just having a good time as always. Now, Dan Taylor, I've only known you for the last couple of years through your pit reporting stuff and then moving up to the booth announcer at Eagle Raceway. Getting to know you and, you know, almost happy to call you my friend. Oh, definitely a friend. Sarah's a little jealous of you at times. Really? <laughs> she calls you my boyfriend. Oh, wow. Well, tell her maybe she should bring her ass around some more. Oh, that's, oh she's around me plenty. I guess I don't know if she's old <laughs> enough to get in the VIP. She is 29. I know, I know. For the, <laughs> I have to clarify that often. Here's a quick shameless plug for one of Dan's other shows. The gang over at the library pub who supplies this fine whiskey that we're sipping on mm. always gives Dan a hard time pretending that his girlfriend is a teenager. So I, I was always going to start calling you Jerry Lee Lewis, but I knew you yeah. weren't quite that type. I mean, I'm, I'm game for a lot of jokes, but... Not statutory? Yeah, I draw a line at statutory and pedophilia. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a great line to not cross, because I don't think I can hang out with guys that cross that yeah. line. So um, kind of just going back to get into it, I want to get a little bit of your backstory. I know you did some hanging out in radio and stuff. What got you into the racing game? Because there's there are so many people who have done this their entire life and kind of know it inside and out, and you really came on strong from being a guy who was, you know, for all I know, you were just a radio guy who happened to get thrown into this, but you can really see a passion that's grown oh, in you over the years. That's exactly what it is, and I, I think my history in racing starts around 2001. I started working at Home Depot, and this is, sounds like it's going to be a long story. I'm going to try to make it as short as possible, but my manager said, um, you can either do your hair every day because we require you to have your hair done and, and look presentable. That was when you had hair? Yes. Uh, or you can go and buy Tony Stewart hats. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go buy some Tony Stewart hats, I better become a NASCAR fan. So I started watching NASCAR. That happened to be the year that Tony Stewart just lit the world on fire and started to become one of the big, um, one of the major drivers in NASCAR. And I became a big fan of NASCAR. And then I started talking with a, a friend of mine, Buddy Ray Jones, who anybody in the racing world knows that name. And him and I got to talking back and forth, and we would have these big three-hour conversations about racing. I was a big NASCAR fan. I had no idea what dirt was. I had no idea there was dirt tracks around Omaha, Lincoln, surrounding areas. And Buddy and I got to and he's like, you know, we, we have these great conversations. We need to do a show. I'm like, I, I'm in radio. I can do that. That's easy to do. So we started putting details together, and, and that's when we started the front stretch. We actually started it. It started in 2011. And I didn't feel like I was the right person to host it because I'd been off of behind. I'd been from behind the microphone for quite a few years. So we hired a different guy to do it, who was more professional, knew how to set up a show format, knew how to do all this stuff. And basically, we watched him do it for six months. The show went on hiatus after the NASCAR season in 2011 ended. And Buddy said, "Okay, I don't really like him. I'm going to hire you." So then I became the co-host of the front stretch, and Buddy said to me, "Well." If you're going to be a part of the front stretch, you got to learn about dirt racing. I said, that's fine. You can talk about it all you want. And he goes, no, you got to learn about it. So he drags me out to IED Speedway in April for the spring meltdown in 2012. And that was my very first race. Was it really, really cold? It actually wasn't. It was beautiful. Oh, okay. So that's what made you come back the second time. Right. 
Um, and I remember, so there was, I believe there was sprint cars in that, in that, at that race for that year. And I met Joe Kaziski through doing interviews on the show and he knew I was inexperienced with dirt racing and I was walking through the pits in turn three and Joe was walking around and Joe pulls me out of the pit lane and with that big bear claw that Joe's got, oh, pulls yeah. me in close because again, there's sprint cars and they're putting heat in the engine and he leans in and he goes, you got to keep your head on a swivel. These sprint cars don't stop for anybody and you're going to have a bug on a windshield or on a, on a wing and that was my first experience in dirt racing. And from that night on, I was hooked. Well, then Buddy pulls some strings, as Buddy knows how to do, and Crawford County Speedway was just opening back up for the first time since, re since shortening their track to its current length. Really? I didn't know that you were part of that transition. Uh, well, no. <laughs> I, they, I was offered the job, which I don't know. Again, Buddy pulled some strings, so they, he probably told them a couple of little white lies about how good I was and everything I knew. And uh, I showed up to the first race as the track had reopened in uh, 2012. And at that time, I'm sitting there expecting to be an announcer. I know how to play music. I can entertain a crowd. I couldn't tell you the difference between a, a modified and a sport compact. And I had no idea what any of these cars were. I had no idea how any of these cars were set up. I had no idea a four-cylinder, uh, sport compact was a front-wheel drive four-cylinder. I had no idea about any of this stuff. Luckily for me, the first night, the PA blew up at Crawford County Speedway. Oh, no. And I turned to my, the, the boss at the time, and I said, do I really have to do this since no one can hear me? And he goes, I think you need to practice. So I just sat there and called the race as I could see it, and that first year was bad. Bad. <laughs> and I, to my surprise, they brought me back in 2013. They brought me back in 2014. And at that time, my relationship with Joe Kaziski had increased, and we'd become pretty good friends. We were having regular conversations about Crawford County Speedway and all the racing, and Joe was impeding some knowledge. He's got a little bit of dirt track knowledge. Just he was, a little bit. He was impressing on me and, and giving me some information, and so we were becoming pretty good friends, and after the 2014 season, I said, I, I think my time at Crawford County Speedway is coming to an end. I just don't feel like it's working there for me. I'd love to come work for I-80 Speedway, and... I hassled him and hassled him and hassled him. And, and being Joe Kaziski, I didn't have to sell him that I was going to be a great announcer for him. I had to sell him that I was going to make it worth it to pay me. <laughs> and that you were going to show up every yeah, week. Because yeah. contrary to popular belief, that's, that's not always the easiest thing to accomplish in right. the racing world. So Joe hires me. I believe it was the 2015 season. I got to work with, um, I'm going to draw a name, draw a blank on his last name, Striker Joe. Uh, Joe Park. Proctor, that's right. Thank you, Jim. Joe Proctor. Joker Rapes. Yes, I got to work with Joe for a year, and we, that was when we were. I, you saw the old boots up at I eighty, right? Yep. I I um I had actually sat in the one that would have been farthest to the west oh, they, that they didn't that, really use. That was the VIP booth. <laughs> that thing, it had a hole in it, the size. I mean, a, a medium-sized alligator could crawl through this hole. Probably. It was, that thing was... Have a hell was, of a time climbing those stairs, though. Oh, my though. God. But anyways, I, I got to call it one year with Joe. Uh, Joe ended up leaving after that year, and, and I got to be the full-time announcer. And from there, it's it's been a very rocky road, learning names, learning all this stuff. But I've, I've been very blessed to be able to work with people like Stan Caesar, who I became very good friends with, again, through the show, coming out to Eagle Raceway to cover races, uh, Tom Grosso. Joe Proctor, 
uh, Chris Krug, uh, I mean, the, the, the people that Double I've got a. to sit in, what's that? Double A. Yep. The people I've got to sit next to and call races, I've been blessed in my career, and uh, I feel like last year was the first year I really felt comfortable in the announcer's booth, and it's... It's just something that, you know, with, with the, the hate on, on Facebook and social media, it's easy to see it after a night when you make a mistake and, and you call the 1R Matt Richards instead of Nikade Richards in the, in the stock cars, you know. And uh, it's just something that it happens. And, and then once, once it happens, you, you feel crappy about it. But then it's almost like a habit, and you can't break it. You know, something happened tonight at Eagle Raceway with the other announcer that – I know it's an honest mistake, and a person got really mad, and I started screaming at the person because they didn't have any right to, to correct the announcer. Uh, they told him the mistake, and I made, them, I made the correction, but the person felt like they needed to take another step, and I felt like they were out of line. Uh, you, don't, you don't correct that guy. Uh, Tom's a, a veteran in the sport and, and understands that when you make a mistake, and, and it's Saturday night racing, but you accidentally say it's, it's Friday night, then that becomes habit. It's just, it, it, it rolls off the tip of your tongue. You, you kind of pull a, a Ron Burgundy moment, you know? It's, Unique New York. Yeah. Unique New but, York. Uh, yeah, doing the front stretch and working at Eagle Raceway and working at I-80 Speedway, uh, I've been blessed to, to kind of inherit roles. Um, I, I always like Kevin Kugler, who's a local sports announcer, uh, says, I never earned a job. I just outlasted everybody else. And I kind of feel like it's the same way for me. I, I haven't earned any of the jobs. I've just been in the right position at the right time. I mean, I think I've fought for them and, and, uh, and, and tried to make sure I was – that the person that hired me made the right decision and never regretted it. I'm sure at times Joe Krasinski did. I'm sure at times Roger Hayden has. But we have a great time, and, and I honestly think that the people that we have at Eagle Raceway right now, our core group, you, me, Tom, Kurt, there's some awesome things on the horizon. I think we've got a really, really bright future ahead of us. So I'll kind of wind it down with just some random questions. Um, you've done the booth announcing, you've done the pit reporting, and you've done the radio. Do you kind of have a favorite spot of the three? No. I mean, I'm, obviously my time with the radio is kind of coming to a close, but and if, I don't know if you want to count a podcast as radio. I, I don't. I think it's a different medium. I don't consider radio and TV the same thing, even though... You could basically do the, the same thing. There's a lot of TV people that make their transition into radio and vice versa. I think podcasts are slightly different. But, no, I, I love my Friday night and Saturday night time in the booth with you, Kurt, Tom, Anthony, Chris, Stan, whoever's co-announcing with me or if I'm pit reporting at I-80 or here. It's, I, what a great job. Literally. I, you and I get... Let's not say this too loud because we don't want Roger to hear this, but we get paid to watch racing and ask questions. Yeah. It's, it's seriously a dream. You know, when I first, you know, you were talking about falling into roles, my, I guess I've worked at Eagle before. I worked in the pit shack, and I've done some beer back bar stuff. But the whole reason that I got this gig at Eagle is because I used to impersonate Johnny Gibson in <laughs> Snapchats to Racine Hayden. And then uh, 2019, for the Frostbusters down there in Iowa, I just happened to drag a couple out. Uh, Chase and Nate Weiler, uh, he took down to Boone Speedway. 
for a race saver show because there were some people, you know, the keyboard badasses on Facebook mm-hmm. talking about how bad of a car count they were going to get. And I just so happened to be walking across the pits, and I noticed Roger and Racine walking, and Racine goes, hey, you want to be an announcer? And I'm like, not really, but yeah. <laughs> and then the, the first night, Icebreaker Challenge 2019, our wireless system was just so choppy. I didn't have an FM radio in. I was ready to quit after the first night. And the second night down there on the front stretch, I was interviewing Jordan Grabowski. I was about three sentences in, and I felt a uh moment. But it wasn't an uh. It was like a chill calm coming over my body, and then it was just filled with rhinoceros levels of energy. And I'm like, okay, this is right. Let's do this again. Yeah. I got to give a ton of credit to Kurt Merrill. Him. He keeps the joint jumping. He came in and completely revamped the sound system and made Eagle Raceways PA at level with everything else at Eagle Raceway. The racing action is great. The promotions are great. The pits are great. The sponsors are great. And the PA was just mediocre. And Kirk came in and just, like a badass, laid down some ideas and then slowly became friends with you and I and slowly started picking our brains about doing different things. And I got to tell you, I, I think those Race Saver Nationals, I would put what we put up, what we put up, up against Knoxville's Nationals. I would absolutely put that up. I've been to both, and, you know, maybe it is a little bit of a hometown bias because you do know more people when you roll into your home track. But... Knoxville's a great time. Mm-hmm. I, I won't knock the Knoxville Nationals at all. If somebody told, if somebody asked me to go this year, I'd go. I wouldn't go yeah. for the Saturday show because I got stuff to do. But it's incredible. I just don't feel like it compares to Race Saver Nationals. I, I don't want there to be a dull moment at the Race Saver Nationals. I don't want there to be a dull moment in week number three of Eagle Raceway. If there's a red flag, we need to be doing something. That's I'm something in. that you, me, Kurt, Stacy, Roger, Racine, everybody understands. And... I can't believe that I have sat at the Knoxville Nationals for 45 minutes, no music, no interviews, and I literally turned to my friend and said, what the fuck are we doing? No track prep, no nothing. The biggest show of the year, the biggest eyeballs. What are we doing? And all you can do is go to the concession stand line, or if you got bad habits, you can go smoke. And I honestly started to fall asleep. Supposed to be the mecca for sprint car racing, and I almost fell asleep at the racetrack. If anybody falls asleep at Eagle Raceway, I need to retire at that point. I think I can agree to that. That, that might have to be a pact. But it's, it's been so much fun doing this, and, and you've gotten into it the same way. It's, it's so funny how we get these jobs. People always, they're like... Oh, well, he must have worked for years. and did. We Just persistence. Right place, right time, right attitude. The other great saying I have in radio is it's not who you know. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And I got the job at Eagle Raceway because I knew Stan Caesar. And I asked him, I said, can you get me a job at Eagle Raceway? He goes, what would you do? And I said, I'd be the pit reporter. Yeah, because we goes, were really lacking in that for yeah, a while. That's what Roger, Stan goes, we don't know what's going on in the pits. We don't have anything that's, go- that's happening. We need somebody running around asking questions and, and, and getting information. Tonight, what happened to Gunner Pike? They changed up your position tonight, and I'm going to raise some hell because 
Honestly, it's cool having the pictures on Facebook of the heat race winners, but I need you back there finding out what happened to Gunner Pike's car. You know, uh, it's kind of crappy because I actually pitched this picture-taken idea to you, and you're like, oh, that's an awesome idea. The sponsors are going to love it. And then, yeah, I'm sitting down there like, how the hell am I going to figure out what happened to this guy? So it's always the best laid plans on my cement, right? Right. Right. Old hindsight's twenty twenty. We had an issue with this again tonight where Tom shuts off the microphone and says, hey, let's do a contest. Let's do a trivia with the with the fans. First stock car to pull out on the raceway to you raceway. Who is it? Whoever gets it right wins. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So he goes over and talks about it. Well, then the stock cars start lining up, and I'm thumbing through my sheets, and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have lineups yet. I don't have pre-registry. I said, guys, I just found a major flaw in our contest after we announced it. So we're scrambling, and I eventually found the pre-registry for the uh, for the for what ended up being canceled the the, uh, the icebreaker challenge. And thank God, the first car that rolled out was Marty Steinbach, the five Eli, and it was on my sheet. And I'm like, okay, I can confirm that's who it was. Because <laughs> otherwise, some guy was going to roll out. I'd never seen it before. I haven't. It's it's a new season with a new class. Marty's got a new design on his car, but I just recognized the ELI on his on the top bar of the five, and I was like, oh, thank God, that's Marty. <laughs> well, let's shift gears and talk about that a little bit. I know it's kind of going at a sporadic pace, but the IMCA stock cars making their debut tonight. I was a fan of sport compacts. I raced them for... I drove them for a while and, you know, watched them for years, made a lot of great friends, watched a lot of good racing in that class, but man, I, I really think we got something special bringing this stock car class in for 2021. Yeah, contrary to what a lot of people will think, I don't know, I, I make jokes about every class, but it seems to offend Sport Compact fans and drivers more. I do like the Sport Compacts. I was sad to see them go. I understand the business ethic, the business of it, the numbers of it. They weren't showing up. Now, I'm sure there was some blame to be put on Roger Hayden. There always is. There's some blame to be put on the racetrack. There's some blame to be put on IMCA. It's no, not one entity's fault of the reason why sport compacts aren't out at Eagle Raceway. But the second Roger Hayden announced it was going to be stock cars, everyone went. Sport compact what? Who? Yeah, who? What are Sweet. those? Three races tonight. The first one was good. The second one was good. The third one was phenomenal. And I kind of took a little page from your book and, and revved up the crowd. And I just simply asked them. I said, guys, if you had a great time, I might have done this a little bit more entertaining. I'm a little tired tonight and the whiskey's starting to kick in. But I said, if you enjoyed that, please turn around and look at the VIP booth and thank Roger Hayden for bringing the stock cars. And that's the loudest I heard the crowd all night. Oh, it was... You know, and there, there again is something that you bring up about Eagle Raceway being a special place and having an insane atmosphere. This is the only track, and I've been to a lot of them. I've stood in the infield at Knoxville. I've been to I-80 handfuls of times, Beatrice my whole life, and I can't tell you any other racetrack where a four-wide salute in the sprint cars can be going by, and you hear that crowd yeah. over those motors. We have something super special here. I continuously say it. It is amazing how different everything is from Eagle Raceway to I-80 Speedway. I love I-80 Speedway. I think it has its tremendous points that it's the best at what it does for late models, for big shows, for big paying, for big promotions. The fans here are a party crowd. 
Oh, yeah. Fans at I-80 Speedway are a little more subdued unless it's the Silver Dollar Nationals. It's tougher to get that crowd up and going and excited. Here, they, they'll they outroar the sprint cars. Hands down. 10 out of 10 times, you know, and uh, it's something, I hate to admit this because, you know, you grow older and you go grow wiser, but when I was younger, I used to really, I, I've tried not to be a keyboard commando when it comes to racetracks because the worst thing that you can do is bash a racetrack. That's how they close. But there have been times in groups of friends where I have just dogged on a show at I-80, but over the last... I would venture to say six to eight years, that place has just amped it out and amped it up. The racing continues to get better and better and better every time I go. There's really never a dull moment at the place. It's it's kind of like here, just on a you yeah. know bigger track scale. Yeah, and, and you know bigger tracks have their disadvantages. Um, I I often look at like mile and a half tracks at at, at NASCAR. The chances of a good race at a mile and a half track, I think, are about 20%. You go to a short track, the chances of a good race are about 50%. Uh, super Speedway, 50%. You get, you you know, get good excitement, but the racing isn't that great course, on the Super Speedway. Road course, I'm going to say 70%. So, at a bigger track like I-80 Speedway, it takes a little bit more for it to be a good race. And, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure of calling the races... Friday night at I-80 Speedway, and some of the best racing I've seen in a long time. Consistent best racing. But here tonight at, I at Eagle Raceway, again, phenomenal racing. I'm just so, it's just phenomenal. So, I mean, I'm, I'm to, this weekend has just, so glad racing is back. <laughs> I truly hope that it is a sign of things to come, because the racing at I-80 last night, and the racing at Eagle tonight, and the racing that I've seen at McCool Junction, Beatrice, and everywhere across the year. Um, I really think that, and again, to kind of shift back, when COVID hit, the Midwest really kind of gained that focal point in the motorsports world, and I think that that really got a lot of people around here excited, and I think the buzz has carried on, and I think we're in for one awesome 2021 season, no matter what racetrack you roll into in the Cornhusker State. But I know where I'm going to be on Saturday nights, and I know where you're going to be on Saturday nights. Amen. And I, I do want to kind of get on my soapbox a little bit. I've been irritated with some of the do race Do it. Fans. Stand up. Last night at IED Speedway and tonight at Eagle Raceway, the pay-per-view deal, I really like the idea of it. It was a good idea. And I think that... It offered people outside of the state that, you know, there's family members of Mike Shinest that don't live in the state don't or don't live in the Midwest and don't have the opportunity to come see him race. Yeah. They would pay the $10, or the, I think it was $16 for the pay-per-view each yep. week. But I think it turned away more Eagle, Nebraska, Midwest fans from driving to the racetrack, paying the 12 bucks to get in, buying a couple of beers, buying some popcorn. And I think it hurt the racetrack more than it helped. Agreed. Now, Last year for COVID, I think it was a good year to do it. Eagles not doing it again, not doing it this year for the reason that they lost money on the whole deal. And I think they did lose it, end up losing money on the whole deal because it's more than just a twelve dollar ticket in the gate. It's if I pay sixteen dollars for the pay per view, how many people are watching it? Exactly. Now we don't have beer sales. Now we don't have hot dog sales, popcorn sales, merchandise sales, this and that. The way these racetracks stay open, 
butts in seats. Butts in seats, beers in hands. That's the only way these tracks stay open. I got really irritated at fans, and I'm I'm pretty sensitive to these subjects because I get there was 57 messages to the to the IED Facebook page on Friday night. Are you guys uh, streaming the races? IED has never streamed a weekly race, has only streamed races uh, for the big touring series, and IED even hates that because, you know, quite frankly, it hurts the front end. Yeah, and, you know, a, a, a streaming service like Dirt on Dirt did it right. How much did it cost for Dirt on Dirt to do that? Dirt on Dirt got that back. The rest of the money, 50-50 split with the racetrack. That's the way it should be, but that's Speed not the way it always is. doesn't pay a penny to the racetracks. A freaking penny to the racetracks. That is robbery. And I, I'm, a, I'm strongly against Speed Shift TV. Uh, there's a couple of other ones that do that too that they don't offer anything to the racetracks and that's wrong. That is straight up wrong. So I never encourage our our racetracks to promote the pay-per-view when it's available because it stops people from coming out to the racetracks. If the track doesn't see any of that any of that that profit sharing, the track's just losing out double. So I I'm sorry if, if you're somebody that's if the scenario works at home that the pay-per-view is better for you. I, I get that. If you're elderly, you can't get out to the racetrack. It's not safe for you to be out to the racetrack. You're too far away. I get it. That's fine. I would be fine with that. If we could find a way to block it out within a, what, 50-mile radius of the racetrack oh, yeah. from streaming services, I think I'd be all about doing it. Uh, but you got to get out to the racetracks. There is no better place to enjoy this. Yeah, right now it sucks because it's cold. It's windy. It really it's wasn't that cold. It, I mean, it was chilly, but it yeah. wasn't that cold tonight. In a couple of months, it's going to be too hot. In a couple of months after that, it's going to be too cold again. And then don't a couple months a, after that, yeah. we're all going to be bitching that we don't have any we don't racing have any to racing. watch. Tracks are going to tracks close down every year because there's not enough drivers to support the racetrack for various reasons, not enough fans to support the racetracks. You got to get out to the racetrack and support, support what's going on. You, if you paid your twelve dollars tonight at Eagle Raceway, you got your twelve bucks. That was amazing racing. 139 cars, done in two and a half, three hours. That was an amazing night of racing. Yeah, spot on. I, I really think we're blessed to have one of the best weekly programs. And again here, before we end it, uh, you brought up a really good point tonight on the microphone, and it kind of ties back into what we were talking about. Bring someone new to the racetrack. Any chance you get, bring somebody out that's never been here before. Because, and you know me, anybody that's listened to this show long enough knows that I don't drive. But if somebody's willing to take me racing with them, I'll go as far as the road can take me. But it is a little bit less fun when you don't have, you know, you walk, you, let's say you go to the races with Tom, and Tom likes Chad Anderson, and Tom likes Trevor Grossenbacher. That gives you a name and a car number to kind of look for. That gives you a group of people around you that are cheering for people, so you get soaked up into that atmosphere. So bring somebody new to the racetrack, and... You don't have to try and sound like a know-it-all, but just explain who you like and why you like them. Well, that was a big game-changer for Sarah and I. My, my girlfriend and I are, are very competitive people, and so whenever we would go to the races as fans, the only time we ever got to go to the races as fans, we would go to the Knoxville 360 Nationals. And we would always play a game. Heat race rolls out. You'd see the lineup on the big screen. Whoever uh, finished worse in the last heat race got to pick first. So if I... 
if, if uh, Sarah picked the better driver, the better finish in the last seat race, and I got to pick, and I would pick somebody, and she would pick somebody, we would have somebody to root for. Yeah. You can't go to the racetrack and just watch them turn around. The way that we used to do it when I was just bleachering it up with people or when we'd go to a special, we would all break out dollar bills and break state laws, and we would gamble on those races. You know, hey, I got a dollar on number 17 to win this heat race. Oh, not a chance. 24s in this heat race. Right. You know, it just it's a good way to make it a little fun and make a game out of it. You know, you watch the little kids in the grandstands play with Hot Wheels cars. It's not that they're not paying attention. They're trying to duplicate what's going on at that racetrack. And I think my race passes fantasy contest is going to be a game changer for new people at the game. You know, you show up to a racetrack, you don't know if you should pick Jordan Grabowski or or anybody else in the field because you don't know who's good. Yep. Uh, but it's fun. You pick your drivers, you root for them. After three or four weeks at the racetrack, you begin to find your favorite drivers. I mean, I, I'm blessed to, to, to have the to be friends with the drivers I am right now. I mean, it, to, to have friends like Tyler Drukey, Adam Gullion, uh, Gunnar Pike, Mary Lenz, Matt Andrews, Sean Harker. I mean, these guys, I consider them friends rather than just competitors on the racetrack. And a little part of me feels bad when they have an issue and, and they're not able to win the race. But another part of me feels tremendous when they're able to dominate and win the race. Oh, absolutely. That's kind of something that's... It's a unique spot to be in when you get a microphone behind or in front of your face and the word official across your back is, you know, <laughs> we can be friends with everybody out here, yeah. but we're not going to, you know, if my friend comes out here and fails tech inspection, yeah, you're still my buddy. I'll still come drink with you, yeah. but you done fucked up. Right. And I, I don't know if you're friends with Tyler Jackson, but... I, I choked up a little bit when you text me and you're like, this is his very first win. What an amazing win. Great crowd. Eagle Raceway. He beat some of the best in the game. He's been, he's been up front and, and been knocking on the wind door for a long time. And to be able to, be a, to just experience that, that he got his very first win. Tyler is, you can look at the side of his car and you know that is a guy that works on his car at 8 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. After he clocks out, after he spends a little time with the family, after he eats dinner, he goes out to the garage and he works on his car. And he works on his car a couple of days a week. He's got maybe one crew member. He is he is racing of dirt racing. That, that they're just the weekend guys that have a great time. They do it because they love the people they're around. It's, a, it's just there's so many great aspects of it. He's not a Jordan Grabowski that's got the money to be able to put into the operation and really become that next level driver. If he had that money, he might be the next kid perfect. But he got it done on a Saturday night at Eagle Raceway. That is something that is that he'll carry with him forever. Oh, absolutely. He gets an IMCA winner hat now. He's leading in the points in the hobby stock division. Not a lot of people not named Jeff Ware have ever led in the points in the last five years at yep. the Raceway. Tyler Jackson has his name on the top of the sheet next Saturday night when that comes out in front of everybody. How incredible is that? And not to take away from that, but his girlfriend's going to kick his ass because <laughs> they just had a baby a couple months ago, and he didn't even mention her in oh either of our interviews. Oh, my God. Way to go, Tyler. I'm going to have to find a way to edit that in. <laughs> Good thing I don't uh, edit. Great. I'm, I'm so lucky to be a part of this. Absolutely. So lucky. 
super blessed just to be able to come out here and hang out like we've talked about over and over again. Just such a special group of guys and gals out here. Uh, Jamie White over on the pit side really said it best. And Eagle Raceway is not just a crew of workers. We're a family, and we've got each other's backs. We'll go above and beyond. If they need help hoisting hot dog buns, me and Dan will run down there and get it done. Whatever it takes to get this showing on a Saturday night, it's truly something special, and I'm damn glad to be able to sit next to you in a booth and yak on the same microphones. It's too much fun, bud. Absolutely. And damn good whiskey. That smooth ambler is so good. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I might have to end up running down to the camper for a bottle. Yeah. Well, race fans, I think that's going to do it. I should probably uh, actually make some rounds around the pits and see what everybody's doing, but I want to thank you guys all so much. If you made it out to Eagle tonight, thank you for coming out here, and most importantly, thank you for tuning in to Rolling Race News. We'll be right back. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Taylor. Had a great time hanging out with him over in the VIP booth at Eagle Raceway. Next up, this is a short, like, three-minute interview with Stu Snyder. It is from the spring meltdown at I-80 Speedway. I believe that was back on April 9th. It was the opening night for the new Malvern Bank 360 Sprint Cars over at I-80. Just a quick little interview with Stu. I told him he owed me five minutes, and he gave me three, so... Take it as you will. Always great to hang out with Stu Snyder. Um, just a heads up, this video is a little bit loud. There's some generator noise in the background, so just bear with it. And thanks for watching Roland Race News or listening to Roland Race News or whatever you do. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Roland Race News. Thank you all so, so much for listening in. We'll be back hopefully next week with some fresh interviews. We're going to continue to try to get better and better at this because, uh, Right now we're pretty mediocre in my mind, but I can't, again, I can't thank you guys all for the support. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Like it, share it, I'll visually impair it. We're out.